Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me now for the second time, second time, is Jasper from Palace of Pistons. Jasper, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. I am glad that you did not ask me to say your last name. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't going to embarrass you. Had you had a gun to my head, uh, there would be brains splattered all over the uh, wall. Please, it's, please formally reintroduce yourself to all of the listeners. Of course, uh, Jasper Apollonia here. Um, you know, I'm just happy to be back. I know last time I was on, we said maybe we'd be giving it about a year and a half. I made it two months, so this is this is a good sign, I think. That my, yes, at least a couple a of my jokes positive. went over. Exactly. Well, they went over, but you were also helped by um, the finals uh, week for, for all of the college students where, where Aaron has uh, a little bit bogged down with work, but he will be back. I think he'll be back next week. Um, so it helps for then, me to be, it's where yes. it helps for me to be the grizzled vet uh, in right. my mid twenties of Palace of Pistons. Right. <laughs> Had you not been able to do it. Yeah. You're like it. You're like 10 years older than the average age of uh, somebody who writes from the site, which is pretty ridiculous. That's right. Um, yes, we are the two oldest people in uh, the Palace of Pistons group chat, <clears throat> 29 and 26. Does that make you feel old? Because it makes me feel like dust floating in the, like, in the sky. Uh, yeah, we, we can talk about our impending mortality uh, off the pot at some point because I have a lot of thoughts regarding that. Uh, we can yeah, send man. letters to each other. It's exactly uh, <laughs> telegrams, even. Right, right, right. I'll get out the crank. Um, okay, <laughs> so a little bit of a, of a mailbag show today. We did pose some questions on Twitter, and again, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do so at Palace of Pistons. We don't do mailbag shows too often, but the Pistons are about to be annihilated out of the playoffs. Um, the draft is going to come up and absorb a lot of time, but we'll always need some um, mailbag shows to kind of kind of be be the glue to our um, overall podcast. So please follow us at Palace of Pistons on Twitter um, and interact with us. We'd love to hear what you guys all think and what you all uh, say. So um, before we get started, though, I do have a, do have to read a sponsor, uh, a recurring sponsor here. We have Bet Online. Uh, so bet online, as you all know, as avid listeners, is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. If you head on over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today, you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a pretty good deal. Um, so again, if you use um, the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. You will receive a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Lots of stuff to bet on. Lots of stuff between um, 
I mean, honestly, even the NFL draft, are people betting on the draft and who's going top 10? And, and, and it is NFL draft week um, to uh, basketball, um, golf every single weekend, lots and lots of opportunities, um, even baseball, if you're into that sort of thing. I mean, between us, I don't know if you're a Tigers fan, but Tigers and Cleveland baseball team fans, we don't exactly have too, too much to cheer about, except for, you know, whoever is in like doubling uh, single A. <clears throat> but if that's your thing, you can bet on baseball too. Again, Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. I have recently become more into betting. I think that's because of exposure to it on social media and the various group chats I'm in just kind of, it, it just kind of happens. Do you dabble in any betting? Uh, I, I am somewhat of a degenerate. Uh, it's true, but I, I'll be honest. I <laughs> usually like to, I, I like to have a little more control over my luck. Uh, I've always been a big fantasy sports guy, but I've been known to make a bet or two in my day. Um, especially now in, in New Jersey, it's, it's legal. So it's, it's a problem for me living in New York. I can just hop across the, hop across the, uh, the Hudson oh, river yeah. and, uh, you know, it, indulge all of my, my worst or best, uh, desires. Uh, yeah. Ohio yeah, man. does not have sports betting. So that at least legalized gambling. So that, that makes yes. it a little more challenging, but it's just, it's just a matter of time. At this I point. will say if you are a Detroit sports fan uh, watching the Lions, the Tigers, or the Pistons, or even the Red Wings. This is definitely the time to be betting because if you're just trying to focus on the games themselves, you're probably not going to be very happy. It's, it's, it's a dark time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, if you want to add in Michigan football, which is probably more popular than almost all of those sports you just mentioned, then it could be even even more dark. Yes, dark dark times in in Michigan, unfortunately. Hmm. But there's up and coming times um, with the Pistons, and you know Jeremy Grant kind of alluded to that. Um, and this is going to be our first topic of uh, the day. It is also a mailbag question um, from our fellow staff writer Tim Forkin um, about the next season for the Pistons. And Jeremy Grant thinks that the Pistons can do something big next season. And this is from um, the Detroit Free Press. <clears throat> the quote is um, regarding the rebuild. And Grant said in an interview that it's, it's a lot different. It's not a rebuild. As Troy always says, it's not three or four years into the future. We're looking forward to doing something big next year. So Jasper, what do you make of that quote? From Jeremy Grant. You know, I thought it was so interesting that not only did he say that, but he prefaced it by comparing it to the situation in Philadelphia, which, if you remember, Jeremy Grant, when he came out of Syracuse, uh, was a second round pick by the 76ers. And that, at, and this was peak process times. Uh, so hearing him say that, I think, is very interesting and very telling. Even on top of that, I, I know Jeremy Grant came to Detroit for, for multiple reasons. One, uh, he really believes in the culture here, really believes in what's starting up from the ground level. Uh, he wanted to play for a black head coach, 
Uh, he wanted to, you know, be in an organization where the GM is also black. And that was a big thing for him. Additionally, he also wanted to take that step up in terms of responsibility, be the lead scorer, and he's risen to that occasion for the most part this season. I think the last thing, though, is even with those goals, every NBA player wants to win. And I have a very hard time believing that Jeremy Grant would leave a situation in Denver that is, even with Jamal Murray now gone this year, an excellent team with a lot of upside for the future. I find it hard to believe that he would leave that for Detroit if he didn't have an idea, maybe not a promise, but an idea that this project is going to move forward relatively quickly. And they're going to be trying to compete relatively soon. In terms of what Jeremy Grant's saying, it seems like he believes they can compete next season. Um, so yeah, what I take from this is this is an organization that from top down has a plan and, and it doesn't just go with the front office. It doesn't just include the head coach. It includes the players. The players have an idea of what's happening here. And it seems as though most of them are buying into it, which is really a good sign. And, and the guys that maybe wouldn't be a part of that, uh, maybe the guys that weren't buying in so much looking at uh, one such Blake Griffin. Uh, I think those guys now are gone. And what you're left with are your rookies, your Jeremy Grants, your guys that have something to prove moving forward. So yeah, the way I look at it, hearing this from Jeremy Grant makes me feel confident in the future. Um, they have a plan here. They are they want to compete and win next year. And if you look at the underlying numbers for the Pistons, you think that, you know, you get some injury luck. Um, you're going to get, hopefully, a top three pick in this draft. I don't see why if you can just – because the, the defense is already at least league, league average. I don't see why if you can't pair that with an improved offense, this team can't be competing for a playoff spot next year. Maybe even more than that. Uh, hopefully they'll, Ooh. yeah, hopefully, hopefully more than that. Hopefully they'll be looking to, to take a couple games off of a team in the playoffs next year. Uh, and if you have somebody who is like a Cade Cunningham and you compare them with a, a full season of Killian Hayes and Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley and Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay and, and all these young players that are on their way up. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Jasper, I like that you've been on the pod for the second time for a grand total of maybe 50 minutes and the Pistons are winning a playoff game next year. I That's love right. it. I think it's great. And let's not forget that he turned down the same contract that he received from Detroit um, or, or rather he turned down the same deal from the Denver Nuggets. If that gives you any indication, um, that was a more defined team. That was a definite playoff team with a, certain trajectory or maybe an unknown trajectory. It just kept going up and up and up. Um, so it's, it's very interesting that he, he said that, I think it's a huge positive. You want your best player to say that you want, you know, the go-to score. You want the guy to say that you don't want him to say, yeah, it'll be a few more years. You want him to say, you know, we can, we can do something next year and, and, and have that level of confidence. 
Um, and, and to be yeah, clear, I, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to take playoff games off next, you know, off of a team next year necessarily. I think that's the goal, though, and it does seem certainly like they are building towards that, um, as opposed to, say, a Philadelphia 76ers process team where they're they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna get good eventually, <laughs> you know? Right, right, and and you know, with the play in tournament being expanded, I don't see why they can't compete for a play in spot. I mean, I honestly think every team in the Eastern conference is going to be able to compete for a plan. So I don't think there's going to be a definite, no way they're not going to compete. Even the Orlando magic who look mm, a little bit, I don't want to say better, but they, they don't look nearly as bad as we thought they were going to look after they dealt AG and Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier, but they do have some, you know, they do have picks they're going to have Wendell Carter. They're going to get Markel Fultz back. They're going to get Jonathan Eisen back. I mean, even they are not a definite, absolutely not, they won't make the play because they at least have some of those guys who we know can play at a, at a, at a decently high level. So I think it's entirely within the realm of possibility that the Pistons are competing for a play-in spot. And Aaron and I talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, what should be your expectations going into next year? And we have a couple of mailbag questions that um, sort of help get to that answer. But yeah, I, I think that's what you want to see from Jeremy Grant and, or rather that's what you want to read slash hear from Jeremy Grant. And even though they're 18 and 43, <clears throat> the Pistons still have a lot to be happy about and a lot to be positive about heading into next season. Um, anything else on this Jasper before we move on to our mailbag questions? Yeah. I mean, I think my last point on this would be um, that Detroit right now, obviously their record is atrocious. Um, they're in the bottom 10 in both the offensive and defensive rating, but so much of that has come down to the fact that they've been sitting starters for weeks now, uh, just blatantly tanking. Um, so I, I think if like people are going to hear what we're saying and look at Jeremy Crane's comments and then look at the standings, look at the stats and be like, how can you possibly think this team is going anywhere, even with a, a top three pick next year. Uh, I think that's definitely perspective that needs to be taken into account. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that Pistons fans had such low expectations coming into the season that them going from low expectations to watchable halfway through the year to yeah. a playing team, that's going to, that's going to, be good. Ho hopefully when Little Caesars Arena is able to have more of a capacity in it than it can now due to the pandemic. So, okay, good stuff on that. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our mailbag questions. And once again, um, we do our mailbags through our Twitter account. And again, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do so at Palace of Pistons. We already answered my guy Tim Forkin's question. So we can go ahead and move right on. And here's our first question. Assuming they have a top three selection in the 2021 draft, how high can expectations be set for next year? Is it crazy to think playoffs or will the roster still be too young? This is from at SC Wander 11. I apologize when I butcher everybody's name, but uh, <laughs> that's just going to happen because we haven't done a mailbag before. So I'll get better at it. Um, so that has a lot that that needs some context to it depends who they're who they're going to take, but 
if you have a top three pick, let's just say you get Cade Cunningham, are you looking at the playoffs? The way I look at it, just based off of not just, you know, the talent of the players in question, but the way that this direct, that, that this organization is trying to move in. Yeah. I definitely think there's, there's a lot of reason to be hopeful that they can make the playoffs next year uh, for a lot of the reasons you just touched on a it's the East. So your path is going to be easier regardless. That's 50% of the battle. It it really is. I I mean, honestly, uh, I think back to like the 2008 season, I believe it was the 2008 season when you look at the West and there was, I think it was a golden state warriors team that won like 48 games and missed the playoffs. Something crazy like that. I believe that was Um, Phoenix Phoenix. Thank you. Um, so, you know, sometimes how good your team is, is not necessarily as important as who you're playing or right. where you're playing. And you look at the Pistons next year, since Blake Griffin left, when they were healthy, they had a top 15 defense in the league. And if you pair that with somebody like Cade Cunningham, a full season of Killian Hayes on the perimeter, I think that really just off the strength of their defense alone, they'll be able to contend for a playoff spot. And if you go out there and you make some savvy signings or some guys, I look at somebody like Sadiq Bey, who's been excellent from outside, but has struggled somewhat in inside of the, of the three point line. Um, Or even Isaiah Stewart, somebody whose game is coming along as the season progresses I think if you can have those small to medium-sized bumps in production from your young players, make a good couple signings, uh, which we've seen Troy Weaver do already. Pretty much every free agent signing he made has paid off in some way or another this year. If you can do that, yeah, com- combine it with a six-eight guard or you take even Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. I don't see any reason why you can't be at least competing for a playoff spot, if not more. And since it appears the NBA is looking forward to permanently establishing this play-in game, all you have to do is get the Detroit Pistons Memorial uh, 10th seed. <laughs> I swear they, <laughs> I swear for the last like 15 years, they've been the 10th seed about, oh, all of them. So uh, yeah, why? I don't think it's crazy at all. If anything, if you're getting the, top two picks i think and this might this might just be me speaking i think it should be the expectation to make the playoffs yeah i think if you get kate cunningham i would give you a season to let stuff mesh see if the isaiah stewart sadiq bay blossom seasons are for real you know you do it one year okay do it again um but yeah i think if you get kate cunningham who is the who's a perfect guy to fit on this team as another playmaker, then I think the expectation should be to, you're going to ruffle some feathers at the very least in the East. You're going to make some good teams, you know, a little bit weary when they go into the matchup because they're going to look at that young roster with some nice vets and think, Oh man, this is not going to be, this is not going to be as easy as I was hoping it was going to be, you know, they're going to be young feisty and they're just going to be annoying and they're going to be, and they're definitely going to win some games that they shouldn't. They've already done that this year. We saw it at the beginning right, of the season. Exactly. They've already proven that they can 
beat good teams if those teams don't show up to play. And again, if you take one of those top three guys, I don't see why you can't start beating the bad teams too. Yeah, that's, and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that, that, that needs to happen. You get a guy like Kate Cunningham, that should be the expectation. I mean, even if you mm-hmm. get Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, um, Jalen Green, <clears throat> any, any of those guys, I, I think that should be the expectation moving forward. Yeah. To beat the bad teams and to take that next step up. And like you said, a full year, hopefully, of Killian Hayes. So to answer your question, no, it's not crazy to think playoffs or at least play in, but it would equally not surprise me if the roster is just too young, they run into sophomore walls and, you know, they're kind of back in the lottery the next year after it, it wouldn't surprise me, but no, it is not crazy to think playoffs. Now, if you don't make the playoffs after next year, we have a problem. There's a, there's a big, big issue in both. You mean in the third year? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, then there's a, I, then there's a if big you're issue. You're not competing. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're just not in games and there's this obvious lack of spark, then, then yeah, you know, Dwayne Casey will probably not be, be hanging around. Um, but the core itself is still good. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our next question from Jerry Hughes at Silky Wilkie 2410, <laughs> who has the most pressure from an audition for next season perspective for the rest of the season. So which player has the most pressure to make an impact the rest of the way, um, or they might not be on the roster next season. I have to say, I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear who you say for this, because I think I'd there are really, okay. See, I think there are so many options here. Um, I, I think for me, and maybe it's just because of the way I'm looking at things. I, I think Josh Jackson is that guy. Um, he has been, it, it's, he's a difficult guy to like kind of get a grasp on because he, he feels like he fits this city and this organization's mentality so well. He's the type of player that Troy Weaver has shown that he wants to go out and get tough, uh, defensive minded, long, athletic. That's exactly what you want. The problem with him is he's been so inconsistent. Uh, not even just like game to game, but week to week, he'll go on these stretches where it's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't watch this guy play. He's bringing down the entire other four guys on the court whenever he's getting in there and getting his, you know, Derek Rose style um, tunnel vision. On the other hand, he has games where he can explode and and really like dictate what is happening as both an on-ball and off-ball player. When he's cutting to the rim, he's so dangerous. When he's dropping downhill, he's deadly. And when he's defending at a high level, he can go basically one through four in the modern NBA. But on the other hand, if if half you're getting him that uh, uh, Josh Jackson for half the season, and you're getting the terrible, unplayable Josh Jackson for half the season. I don't know if that's a guy I necessarily want on my team, especially a team that we're talking about it right now should be looking at competing for the playoffs next year. I don't really know if he fits that. I don't. I don't know. So I'm having a hard time still with with Josh Jackson. Um, I, I am interested to see what you have to say about Seku. Unfortunately for me. 
I think any audition he's going to have is going to have to take place in the off season. Uh, from my perspective, he's got to show something in, in summer camp and in G league somehow, because I'm not, I'm just being honest. I don't see it on the court right now. And I'm not sure I'm going to see it for the rest of the season. Yeah. I totally get the Josh Jackson aspect as well. The reasons that I say Seku is one, he's kind of position blocked. You know, Jeremy Grant is a four that, that kind of blocks him. Sadiq Bay has been the three that kind of blocks him. And Sadiq Bay has definitely leapfrogged him several times over in terms of play time. And, you know, Blake Griffin leaving. I remember Aaron and I recording the podcast, the emergency Blake Griffin's been, um, bought out podcast and we talked about the biggest the biggest benefactor would be Sekou's playing time and that hasn't happened it's it's been Tyler Cook or it's been just a rotation of guys that that moves around Sekou and when he has played there I mean there are instances where he looks good but he was a little bit position locked with with Grant now that Griffin's gone he he's not getting the playing time again and he wasn't a Troy Weaver guy uh, which I think is one of the things that is going against him. It's just it's just how front offices go across any major sport. Um, you have front offices want to get their guys, and they inherit some guys, and they and they just won't get rid of them because they were you know high draft picks or, or they're just good players. But Seku was not a Troy Weaver pick, and he um, has you know has not lived up to that expectation especially if you take a let's say that the pistons are picking fourth and they get jalen green you know that's that's going to clog up the wing even more that's that's going to shuffle some guys around and then where does seku fit in there i i agree i don't think it's gonna you know his his blossoming is going to come in the regular season it's, it's just not happening it would have to come in the off season but i just think that you know if push comes to shove and somebody wants him in a trade. I don't think the Pistons are going to say, no, I, I, I think they're going to take a good long look at that and maybe try to, maybe try to trade him off of his, <clears throat> off of his high draft status and, and those physical intangibles and just move on uh, because he is not fitting in right now with this youth movement. You would, you would have, I mean, if you would have told me last season that the Pistons are having a youth movement and sake, who's not part of that, I would have thought, Oh, that's not good. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Speaking of even guys who be in, you know, taking up his position, uh, if you don't get the number one pick and you end up taking Evan Mobley, that just adds to it because you're going to have to shift around. Oh, yes. You're going to have to shift around Jeremy Grant. You're going to have to shift around Isaiah Stewart. So if they do end up taking Evan Mobley, I, personally, I just think it's over. I don't see yeah. a path forward yeah. it's in any point. way, really, for Seku, unfortunately, because he can't play the two. And he certainly can't play the two. He can't really play the three. You're kind of locked with him and out of the four or the five. And now you have, really, that's probably the, the place on this roster where the Pistons already have the most strength, uh, is at that power forward center position. So, yeah, ugh, it's I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Man, it, yeah, if you had said even at the beginning of this season that the Pistons were doing a youth movement and Seku was on the outs, I'd, I'd be very concerned. Um, shoot, if I am Seku, I already would be concerned because it's, it's not looking great for him. 
No, no, it, it's it's really not. Um, so they they have some um, they have they have some things they need to answer with him. So I think that Josh Jackson is is definitely a good choice as as well. So so to answer this question, <clears throat> pressure from an audition for next season, we're gonna go with Josh Jackson and Safety Dumboya. But was there anybody else on your list you just want to mention really briefly that that is also on that audition for next season? Yeah, honestly, Hamadou Diallo, because uh, his contract is coming up, and he's another guy that's been super inconsistent with Detroit. Those first few games he came in, man, he looked like a world beater. Uh, people were saying, what a steal. And unfortunately, over the last couple weeks, there's been times where he's been on the court, and I haven't – I literally have, like, not noticed. I'm like, wait, is Hamadou – oh, he's already played 10 minutes tonight? I've been watching the whole game, and I, I didn't notice him once. So, yeah, that's another guy. I, I think he has a lot more leeway than the first two. But on the other – but, like, <laughs> I, I need to see a little something guy. more before I start out handing, you know, 12, 13 million a year to Hamadou Diallo. Oh, yeah, but he is a Troy Weaver guy, but he is a non-shooter. Yeah. He is a get-downhill sort of player. And he's more of a conceptually good player on paper as such a athletic wing that he gets a little bit more leeway just inherently because of that. But yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. He, he has just sort of faded quite a bit, um, especially when there have been minutes at the two that, that have been available and it still just isn't really yeah. a big factor. And I'll, and I'll say this one guy that I thought I'd be saying this about, but I'm not. Frank Jackson. I've seen enough. I know what he is. And you know what? He's an NBA player. He's instant offense. Uh, so I have to give Frank Jackson a lot of credit for not being on this list. What do you think about Dennis Smith Jr.? Uh, I, I really don't think about him at all. <laughs> no offense to Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, that um, Thank you for your time in Detroit. Um, I wish you the best wherever you go. Uh, he's not I'm just being honest. He's not a, a guy. He had a couple good games here and there. I saw somebody on another website saying uh, he could be a piece next to Killian. I don't see it. His defense oh. is mediocre. He's had some good good performances defensively, um, but overall, it's it's not consistent enough. And offensively, <laughs> no thank you. No thank you. I'm good. I've seen enough. Yeah, he's another conceptually on paper good player because you probably saw him be athletic in college, um, and it just hasn't translated enough. So I, I feel like I feel like Stephen A. Smith talking about Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight. You know what I mean? I, you need a Halle Berry, a Gabrielle Union, a Beyonce, somebody <laughs> fine. She ain't it. Dennis Smith Jr. He ain't it. Wow, wow. I don't know. I mean, I think we'll just have to replace Aaron entirely now with you. <laughs> I, I think that's the next step, right? Even better, get Stephen this A. Smith is, to replace him. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I really don't know how much better that would be. Good point. Um, but it would be more entertaining and we'd have a lot more listeners. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. Actually, Jerry Hughes 
Silky Wilkie 2410 has sent in another question, so we may as well just go with that one. If you were forced to have a joint birthday party with a player currently on the roster, who would it be and why is it Mason Plumley? Oh, well, it would be Mason Plumley because I saw that video of him breaking it down uh, a few months right, ago exactly. that came out. That's easy. That's a simple question. Uh, right. Give us a harder one, Finally, Jerry. An easy one. Yes. A harder <laughs> one. It is Mason Plumley. Maybe he'll have a triple double at my birthday party, too. There you go. Um, okay. Next question is from McLeod. Uh, it's at McLeod and then a bunch of numbers. What do you believe this young course potentially? So it's a very similar question, but um, which player, and since, since we've already answered this, there is a second part. Which player makes the biggest leap next season? Doesn't have to be of the rookies or from the core four, but who makes the biggest leap next season? Oh, I love this question uh, because there's so many answers. Uh, the Pistons roster is just full of young guys that could take a leap are already taking a little bit of a leap. So yeah, man, this is a tough one. I have to say for me, the guy I look to that, and maybe this is again, wishful thinking, Killian Hayes. Uh, I know Sadiq Bey, what he can do on the outside. Maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't improve inside the arc, but he's still a good player. For me, Killian has first off the skill that pretty much nobody else on this Pistons roster has other than, Oh God, Mason Plumley, which is playmaking for other people. Uh, he's basically the only guy on the roster right now that can pass guys open. So if he just takes a, if he can just put together any sort of shooting, any sort of consistent offensive game, I think, looking at somebody like John Morant, who still can't really shoot, but has such a sick floater package. If you can just look at something like that and at least be consistent inside of the arc, throw people off with that lefty dominant ball handling, I think Killian can take a huge leap. Because if you add that passing ability and that defense into a player that can score 14 to 16 points consistently for you every night, guess what? You're talking about a guy who's going to be a borderline all-star one day. Uh, that's just too complete of a package to not be a super impactful player. So I think it's not outside of the realm that it could be Sadiq Bey, because if he can just really become like slightly above even an average finisher in the paint, that's a really, really, really dangerous threat. But for me, it's got to be killing him has to be Killian Hayes. Yeah, it's it's definitely got to be Killian Hayes. And, and I have his his uh, his shot chart up here for cleaning the glass. Uh, is it going to be, uh, let me guess, it's going to be like a like like Playboy Cardi's last album, whole lot of red, huh? <laughs> well, red means good. It's a whole lot of blue in this, instance, oh. which is which is not good. And it's actually not a shot chart. It's the it's his shooting accuracy. Um from the different ranges and you're right once he gets he's really not very good at the rim um he's in the seventh percentile for point guards at shooting at the rim I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty not great he's just a hair of behind nico Mannion. Oh. um so it's not good and i think that may be partially due to um he gets into the paint and sort of doesn't know what to do like you said that floater package figuring out what to do once he breaks down a defender will do wonders, whether that mm -hmm. is dishing it off to somebody or whether that's 
finishing or doing a um, a floater. That's that's that's. I mean, that's good growth. He's only 19 years old. And point yeah. guards, as we've said, I think I should just have a running tally of how many times I've said this. Point guard, <laughs> rookie point guards are normally really bad. There is a lot to learn as a point guard. You are orchestrating the offense. You're the point guard. You can compare Killian Hayes to Darius Garland, who was terrible last year at almost everything. Atrocious. Darius Garland, Darius Garland, you can make an argument, and, and I would accept that argument, that he's better and more impactful and important than Colin Sexton right now. It takes time for point guards to figure things out. Some will figure it out faster. Some will figure it out at a little bit of a slower pace. But you can't be disappointed right now with Killing Hayes. He hasn't no. played. He's only played in 16 games. But right now, the shooting, he could really improve dramatically and, on that shooting. And, and you know what? We've already seen it improvement this year the first seven games were a disaster since he came back he's been you already can see the improvement in his game and that's exactly exactly right when you're talking about he has to learn the offense because you look at his ability to be impactful in the pick and roll right now pretty much the simplest basic package that nba teams run consistently and guess what he's not that he's he's okay in the pick and roll he can run the pick and roll a little bit. He can be, he can get those dump off passes. And, you know, speaking even to his shooting, his offensive game in the paint, something that I've seen him doing more often lately, which I really like, is utilizing the high glass. Uh, when he comes off to his left and he's shooting it, kind of that little fadeaway lefty off the high glass, it's an effective shot for him. He's made guys who have played good defense on him look bad with that shot. So yeah, it's not just that he has to be, it's that we're already seeing it with him. Um, So yeah, I, I think like, man, you get a, you get an off season for him. You get it so that he can do something other than just the pick and roll. You institute uh, actions into your offense that are going to get him to his spots and let him shoot easier shots that he's more comfortable with. I don't see any reason why he can't be successful, especially since right now he's the only playmaker really on the roster. If you get Kate Cunningham and you put another playmaker, yes. playmaker next to him, that will make a huge, huge difference. And I think Garland's a great example of that where Colin Sexton's, you know, and even working with Colin Sexton, when Colin Sexton had to take a little bit less of the playmaking load, his efficiency went way up. He became more an effective player. Uh, and I think the same thing goes for Garland too. When he didn't have to overthink things, when he didn't have to do it all himself, man, the game comes so much easier, doesn't it? And you can see it. It's way, it, it's night and day. I mean, even the Cavs yesterday, they played Washington. Darius Garland had what looked, at least for the first three quarters, looked to be you know a pretty nice grasp of running the offense. And that was without Colin Sexton. That was without another guy that defenses have to account for. Yeah, it, it just takes time. And I don't necessarily think that the Pistons have to play Killian off the ball a whole bunch either. I know that Dwayne Casey wanted to wanted to get that rolling, but you need another playmaker to, you know, to put alongside him to do that. I also don't necessarily think you need to put him into the gym and have him shoot a thousand threes a day. I don't necessarily think he needs to do that either. I and mean, obviously a three point shooting would be, would be nice to have and, and it will come around, I think, but just getting to the spots where he feels comfortable, I think is the first 
the first step into establishing his shooting ability from the floor. I mean, forget at the rim, just get to spots where he feels comfortable at. Yeah. And you can see him, you can see him feeling it out right now. You can see him learning where he's comfortable. Like that's, that's always the fun thing about watching rookies on a bad team. You can see the improvement game by game by game uh, because that's all there is to look at is where is this, where is this guy going from? Where is he getting to? And yeah, we've only had a small sample size, but I think you're already starting to see Killian figure out where his spots are on the floor, where he's effective in the offense, what he's able to do, uh, and how he's able to put pressure on, on opposing defenses. Yep, absolutely. And it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like with a full offseason as well. So to answer that question, we both feel that Killian Hayes will make the biggest leap because um, he's really starting near the bottom um, and he's got plenty of potential. So let's go ahead and move on to our, our next question, which is from Detroit Tank City. Very fitting. <laughs> Aside from Kate Cunningham, who you take no matter what and figure out the rest, that is correct. Isn't the best fit player in the draft for the Pistons, Evan Mobley? It seems to me he'd fill a role and not supplant any of his of this season's emerging rookies. So talked about this a little bit. Is Evan Mobley the best fitting player after Kate Cunningham? Let's say the Pistons have the number two pick. Cade's gone. He went to Cleveland. Yay. Um, <laughs> who are you taking it to? Oh, man, this is a question I go back and forth on. And I see a lot of people, even on Pistons Twitter, draft Twitter, also going back and forth on. I personally agree. I do think Evan Mobley, for me, is the no doubt guy I'm taking if they get number two. Um, yeah, he's he's excellent. I, I've heard other people, though, saying, on the other hand, no, because you have Isaiah Stewart, and Isaiah Stewart is this emerging force in the paint. I don't want to mess with his, uh, his growth. Go out and get Jalen Suggs. Get another point guard to put next to, put next to Killian and, and improve that playmaking. Here's my issue with that kind of logic is, one – We've seen it more and more and more. You take the best player, you don't take the best fit. And for me, Evan Mobley is a noticeably better player, in my opinion, than Jalen Suggs in the NBA. Second off, Evan Mobley doesn't necessarily have to interfere with Isaiah Stewart. I think you can interchange the two at the five and the four, uh, especially if Stewart's Shooting is for real. I know he just only he hasn't even taken what 33s this year, but he is shooting over 40%. And if he can shoot, and I think Evan Mobley is a guy as well that's going to have a face-up game that can really impact defenses. I don't see how that's an issue. I think you can play the two next to each other. You can stagger them uh, with Jeremy Grant minutes at the four, maybe put Jeremy Grant at the three occasionally, where he still can be highly effective. Uh, so yeah, I think even then, I see Mobley as as the guy right there. Um, on the other hand, I, I can see an argument for somebody like Jalen Green. You say, hey, you have the playmaker, go get a scorer in the backcourt. Or somebody even like Suggs, where you say, hey, Cade Cunningham's the best guy for this role, but Suggs is also a really good playmaker and is super athletic, can get into the paint really, really quick. My problem with that, though, is I don't think he can shoot. 
And if he can't shoot and Killian can't shoot, you have really big issues there. And, and the fit problem is bigger than, hey, where do we play Isaiah Stewart and Evan Mobley? That's my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think if you ask this question coming into the college basketball season, I don't think people would have really blinked at taking Evan Mobley number two. I think there will be some positional overlap there, like you said. I personally, personally, this is just me, I like Jalen Green a lot. I think he would fit very nicely as the two. He's got some good, some okay defensive tendencies, he, but he reminds me a lot of Kevin Porter Jr., NBA version, in that he is crafty with the dribble. Maybe he tries to be a little bit too crafty, but he is a, he is a scoring machine. He's athletic. He's a good finisher at the rim. He can make athletic finishes at the rim and he can do a little bit of passing. I, I think he kind of fits exactly what Detroit could use at the two. And cause that right now that's, that's the hole that you have and a lineup of Hayes and green plus Sadiq Bay and Grant and Isaiah Stewart or Mason Plumley, Plus obviously some very quality backups, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth man. That's a team that now has some more offensive firepower to where they can keep up with teams. And they have that second sort of playmaker who can allow Killian to play off the ball a little bit more, not in the same way that you would with, with Kate Cunningham, obviously, but I would take, I would take Jalen Green personally. That's nothing against Evan Mobley. So here's, here's my counter to that, which is I look at, Yes, obviously, I, I think uh, talent goes above fit. But when I think of the roster, the type of roster, the type of identity that Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey are trying to build in Detroit, I see it as a tough, defensive-minded, super switchy team. And I think Mobley fits that the best. I think defensively, like what he's going to be able to do is fit right into Detroit's identity. If you have him and Grant and Killian, you have multiple, not just like plus defenders, you have guys that can be elite defenders at their position that can really, really help your defense take the next level to where even if you're figuring it out offensively with this roster, which is very possible considering you're going to have a lot of sophomores next year, you're going to be able to compete. You're going to be able to win games on the strength of your defense alone. I, I think, secondly, Mobley's passing abilities, in my opinion, are very underrated. He's going to be one of those guys that, because he's such a threat to score from both inside the paint and outside of the paint, if he can give you that kind of secondary, even tertiary uh, that's uh, the Palace of Pistons uh, vocabulary word for the day, tertiary. Uh, if he can even give you be your third playmaker, man, I think he's really going to be able to help you there. Yeah, I do see the argument for Green, but like overall, when I take talent and fit into the equation, for me, it has to be Mobley. I think he fits the players on this roster so well and also has the skills that are really lacking. I really do um, 
believe that Mobley fits really well. It's just a matter of what the Pistons think Isaiah Stewart is going to be because he's, he's shown a little bit more versatility this year than I think people were expecting. I, I think a lot of people expect him to be the backup and ride the pine the whole time. If you think he can, you know, if, if you think him as a backup center is the way to go as a high energy off the bench type of guy, kind of like a, I guess, a Tristan Thompson sort of type of player with more range. In my opinion, I said, really, I think it was like first or second game he played. I said, I think this guy can be the richest man's Ed Davis. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> the wealthiest man on earth. Okay. Bill Gates is Ed Davis. Right. Uh, okay. Like that, that right. high energy guy who gives you your rebounds, gives you your dunks, gets you a little scoring. I don't know. You know, I, if, if, if you think that that's what Isaiah Stewart is, then, and, and you are Troy Weaver, then you are taking Evan Mobley because that defensive potential, he's got very good defensive awareness. Yeah. Um, for, for a rookie, uh, it, it's, it's impressive. He's got the length to disrupt defensively and that would fit exceedingly well. Um, I do like the passing in a very similar, let him operate some stuff out of um, the post or out of the elbow and keep things moving. And you can do that. So then if you take Evan Mobley, would you put Stuart back into the bench and then who would you put at the two? Would it be a, you know, Hamdu Diallo and then you run Hayes, Diallo, Bay, Grant, and Evan Mobley? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, I think you can go out there. I think you can figure something out at two. I really do think you can. Like, uh, I, that is a good question, though. Like, if you're talking fit, but I don't know. I think if you put a shooter next to Killian Hayes, you don't have to well, get somebody amazing. I, I would have to look at the free agents, and I, I wish I had them in front of me for this season. But, like, I don't see why you can't go out and and find somebody. Um, I do also, I will say this. I do think maybe part of why I'm saying this is I'm slightly less sold on Isaiah Stewart long-term than it seems that most of both the Pistons fan base and even the beat writers um, seem to, to value him. I think he's a good player already. I think he has really nice potential. I want to see him in Detroit. I don't necessarily know if I see him as a high-end starter long-term. And I'm perfectly willing to be really, really wrong on this. In fact, I hope I am. But I don't, I don't know how much higher the ceiling is for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But, like, I see a lot of people talking, who would you rather have, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. For me, it's a no-brainer. It's Bay. Like, I think that guy can be an all-star. I don't that see it I with Stewart. I would agree with, for sure. I, I just definitely Sadiq Bay. Yeah. And it does seem like it's becoming more of, a, of an argument, and that's surprising to me. Because while I do like a lot of things Stewart does, I don't know. I, I, would, I would caution Detroit fans to get, like, too excited. Think of, like, how good, and they, this might trigger some people, Andre Drummond Here was his rookie go. year. Really, like, think about it. He was so disruptive defensively. His steals, his blocks, his rebounding. People saw the ceiling as being something that it really wasn't because 
as Stewart progresses, his game's going to have to change a little bit. If he's going to take on a larger offensive load, things are going to have to change for him a little bit defensively. If he's going to be going up and trying to challenge everything on defense, well, guess what? That level of physicality when you're a starter in the modern NBA is going to get you in foul trouble. Just, it will. So I worry that some of the flashes we're seeing, while they're real, might not be sustainable when put into the context of him being a 30-minute-per-game starter as opposed to being a 20-minute-per-game off-the-bench guy. And again, I could totally be wrong about that, but it does worry me. He, he doesn't have great hands. Like, there are times where it looks like he's kind of a little lost out there. He's overthinking things, and he gets really excited, and I love that energy, but, like, that can be a detriment at a certain point as well. I look at somebody like Killian. I look at somebody like uh, 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 Sadiq Bey. Those dudes, to me, are super under control. They're calm. They're cool. They're collected. That's what I want from a starter. I don't know if Stewart is that. That poll of Bay or Stewart should have just been reworded. Who is easier to fall in love with as a fan? And it's probably Isaiah Stewart because all it is is one block on Joel Embiid and it's, it's curtains. He will have that. He will, he will have that. And Sadiq Bay is, yeah, that's, that should be an easy yeah. one. I, I and, and Hey, agree. look, if what you get from Isaiah Stewart is like, I don't know, Jason Maxiel with a jumper that, but not <laughs> undersized, like shoot, like be happy with that. That's okay. And like, oh, yeah. that's good. That's somebody you want on your team. Uh, so yeah, that's how I look at it. Okay. So for me, the answer, the answer is Mobley because just because I'm not super, super sold on Stewart as the answer at the five long-term. Okay. And I think if and you can answer that with a guy who fits into that modern NBA five role, I think that's, that's worth going after more so than yeah. a score for shooting guard. Right. So um, I, I did pull up the free agent shooting guards heading into this offseason and eliminating the obvious guys that aren't going to join the Pistons like DeMar DeRozan or Victor Oladipo or, or J.J. Redick. I don't want you're Oladipo. Looking, you're looking at, let's see, guys under the age of 28. Yeah, they had Denzel Valentine. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Malik Monk. Uh, that, would, that would fit very nicely, but he is a restricted free agent. Alex Caruso, uh, Bryn Forbes. I mean, it's not a, I mean, Josh Hart. I actually do like Josh Hart, but he's. I really like Josh Hart. That talk, talk about a guy that would fit the Pistons mentality. Josh Hart is that kind of dude. Yeah. Come on, man. Leading your, leading your team in rebound (laughs) or they're what he's like, they're leading rebounder and he's a shooting guard. How can you not love that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Okay. That is going to do it for our questions. Uh, Again, when we do another mailbag, you will be the first to know by following us on Twitter. Again, at at Palace of Pistons. Uh, You can go ahead and shoot us a question, and uh, we will go ahead and answer it on the podcast. Jasper, that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for joining me again for a second pod uh, while Aaron hurriedly does his homework for his finals. (laughs) Um, we'll have to do this uh, again. Yeah, brother. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. And, um, 
Thanks for having me on. I'll always happy to. This, I have to call this like the old man pod or something. That's <laughs> because, great. You know, the, it's just two of us and then we'll have the kids pod, you know, every other week and then we'll have the old man pod. Mm, um, geriatrics and, weekly. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. Anything else that you want to say uh, before I go ahead and end this pod? Oh, man. Uh, In 30 seconds. I, I think that's it. There's. Okay. Uh, that's it. That's all I have to say. I've said it all, okay. baby. You, We're good. You have, you have said it all. Um, again, uh, follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons and definitely check us out at palacepistons.com. Lots of written content available, um, especially heading into the draft. And as the season winds down, we'll have season reviews um, and then lots of draft content heading your way. So make sure that you check us out on both of those channels there. Uh, for Jasper, uh, my name is Mike Angolano. Thank you very much for listening to this latest edition of the Palace Pistons podcast and we will see you all later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.